Welcome back, KBLA Talk 1580. This is Angelique Francis. I'm your host, and this is Living in the Sweet Spot. We define the sweet spot as the intersection between power, divine timing, and performance, all to accomplish a purpose. I always bring these amazing conversations to the sweet spot with amazing overcomers. Well, today is no different. Today, I decided to invite members of our beloved LGBTQ plus community into the sweet spot for a candid and authentic conversation to educate, to empower, and to support. I care deeply about shedding light and promoting understanding around this epidemic of ignorance, if you will, and violence against an entire community of our loved ones. So in the midst of Pride Month, my hope is to encourage dignity and equity, humanity, and to work to end the stigma so that many trans and gender non-conforming people face to be sensitive to what they face every single day. So I'm glad you're joining me for this meaningful conversation. And with me today is going to join, joining me four very active members of the LGBTQ plus community. And three of them are my family members. So I am inviting you to kind of sit around the KBLA kitchen table for a real talk um, about how they navigate and what it's like to navigate as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. So... With, um, let me just give you a few statistics before I, I invite them into the sweet spot. Um, the Human Rights Campaign, or HRC, did some uh, interesting research. They tracked a record number of violent and even fatal incidents against transgender and gender nonconforming people. And, and with this month being Pride Month, I wanted to just point it out. I'm sad, and I hate to have to track it and, and talk about it, but these are staggering statistics. And I'm sure some of our guests will um, uh, also offer some of this information. But in the sweet spot, because we discuss health and wellness and mind, body, and soul, today is no different. And I care about the health and wellness of not only my own personal family, my children, and my family, my nieces, my nephews, but my community as well, which is you, KBLA. So... Uh, regarding and speaking about mental health, um, the comparison to heterosexual males and females, this statistic is just breaks my heart. Gay men are six times more likely to attempt suicide, while lesbian females are two times more likely to attempt suicide. LGBT uh, youth do not kill themselves, y'all, because they are gay. Let me say that one more time. LBGT youth do not kill themselves because they are gay. They consider suicide in response to bullying, discrimination, homophobia, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, violence, gender nonconformity, lowest self-esteem, and societal, and finally, family rejection. So I want to make sure that we are more aware, that we're more empathetic, that we're more caring as a community, and as humans in general, right? So without further ado, I want to introduce uh, my guest in the sweet spot. I first have Maya and Alexandria, who is a biracial African-American poet and painter. She is a UC Davis graduate in English with a concentration in creative writing. She's the co-founder and producer of Mad Mouth Poetry, which is a California-based poetry coalition that uplifts the voices of queer and black creatives. I also, welcome Maya. I also have Sage Francis, my youngest child, who is a 
rising senior at Vanderbilt University, majoring in cognitive studies and minoring in both computer science and gender and sexuality studies. His interest is social justice, starting early in high school, holding multiple leadership positions across social justice-oriented clubs and affinity groups for queer students and for students of color. And we have Jay Francis, my oldest child, holding degrees from both um, Oberlin College and Columbia University. Jay is a data scientist, uh, engineer, ultimate Frisbee coach, and mentor for trans youth, in addition to being an advocate for gender equity for trans athletes. Won't you all welcome my guest and my family into the sweet spot? What's happening, y'all? Thank you for having us, of course. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Here. So, Jay, where are you, where are you, call, where are you in, coming, calling in from? I'm in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Maya, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Northern California in Sacramento. Sacramento area. Sage, you are residing both in New York and L.A., but you're currently in L.A., and I'm happy about that. And so, we have a lot to talk about in the sweet spot. Um... Before we go any further, uh, when we come forward, I'm going to introduce Maya, and she's going to talk to you about a poem that she wrote that has this theme. Do you have a title for that poem, Maya? I actually don't have one yet, <laughs> okay. and that's a bad artist move. <laughs> well, it's well, Prince didn't have a name for a while either, so we're good. You're in good company. <laughs> so when we come forward, uh, you're going to join KBLA, Living in the Sweet Spot, with this conversation in and around our community that we love so much. That's the LGBTQ+. If you're just joining us, this is Angelique, and you're living in the sweet spot with me, and I uh, have my family with me, and we're talking about the LGBTQ community, and um, we're going to learn some things. We're going to talk about some terminology, because most of my friends, if they're over 50, they are clueless, y'all. You know, all of you have had to educate um, some of our friends, some of our family members, and I thought this was a great opportunity here in this month as we celebrate Pride Month um, to do just that. So, Without further ado, uh, I want to first hear from Maya Alexandria, poet and um, prolific, uh, just writer. She's an amazing writer. She she did her emphasis in school and creative writing. And so this is a sample of one of her poems about her experience. When the sun flows between east and west, tasting sunrises and sunsets from morning till dawn, She's unconcerned with the speeches from simple stars who believe what they cannot see must be a phase for her to settle in the sky. How could she choose between a sunrise and a sunset when there's no need to choose? The sun knows a journey never settles and continues for as long as she sparkles in her own power. Thank you so much. Wow. So tell us what that means. We have some ideas. Uh, I, I see Sage wanted to do some snaps. And uh, <laughs> so what, uh, what did that, tell me what was the inspiration behind it and just kind of break it down for us. Um, well, for me, when I, when I write, it's me processing a lot of emotions and experiences. So um, growing up, I had a uh, family member that was not very sensitive towards bisexual specifically because I am bisexual and they were just ignorant. So they were speaking out of ignorance, making light of it. And it always stayed with me. And I heard that from when I was like five to seven, 
going on until, you know, late, uh, I'm sorry, late teens. And um, what I wanted to emphasize in this poem was the beauty and the nature of it. And I wanted to really emphasize that this is me and it's a part of me. And the reason I chose the nature themes is because everything starts with nature. It's an origin. So I wanted to emphasize that this wasn't something that I just picked up. This is something that's always been there. It's a part of me. It's not just, you know, a main identity, but it is a, it's a, it's a piece of what makes up my Alexandria, which is a very important part of me. Right. I see. I, you said something like, um, but a journey never settles, and con- but it continues for a long time, and she remains in the sky. What do you mean by that? When I mean settles, um, I, what I really mean is when I look at it, I kind of can't understand why certain folks decide to just go for one gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, when there's so many identities out there. Mm-hmm. So I always make this uh, joke with my friends, like, I kind of feel bad for the streets. They only have one option when there's a buffet out there kind of thing. <laughs> and- <laughs> well, let me also say that our listeners, everyone on this call currently is under 30. So, and I, it was really important. Uh, Jay, I believe is 29. Sage is 20. Maya, you are 26. 25, 25, 25. And so we have a young group that I thought was really important to bring on so that you could teach some of these old folks that are listening in and so that we can not just um, get an understanding, but to really be educated today so we understand um, how to support you and be advocates and allies for you. So Sage, tell us about your work. Um, I know that you are a senior at Vanderbilt because you're my child. So I know. <laughs> but tell us about some of the things that moves you. What, what, what are you passionate about? Gender studies, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so first off, uh, I know you mentioned some of my like majors and minors. And I think that while they seem very different, uh, cognitive studies is my major. Um, what drew me to that was just understanding people. I really want to see where people are coming from, um, feel more empathetic, even from like a scientific lens. Um, so I'm continuing that with my gender and sexuality studies minor. Um, and one thing I love about it is, though that's the name, it also is very intersectional. So I get to take a lot of African-American diopsora uh, studies classes as well um, and get to see new perspectives while um finding new articles and pieces of work and literature that can then um, help me form my opinions and also come from an educated place. Okay. You're doing a great job at that. And then I noticed, uh, I said it in your intro, how involved you were early on in being an advocate for not just um, LGBTQ, but minorities of all kinds. And um, you often talked about intersectionality. I know you're going to give us some terms and some definitions, and I'm really excited about that. But tell us what that means and how does that relate to you? So, so intersectionality is basically the idea that identities do not exist um, separated. Um, someone does not go through life um, just as a Black person. Um, they go through life, for me, as a Black gay person, for example. And those identities intersect and they compound. They aren't just um, two things. They become something new, um, both a new struggle and a new identity. Um, So the treatment of me as a black man um, or even like my relationship with masculinity, for example, um, is also changed because um, I'm gay. And that's also um, a difference in how people see me 
and how I interact with others and interact with the world. Okay. So that's an example of intersectionality. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, Jay, what's happening? You went to Oberlin, uh, which is a very liberal school. Then you went to Columbia, which is not so liberal. And so tell us about where you are in your life and why are you passionate about supporting um, not just trans athletes, but you've really been passionate in supporting uh, trans youth. Uh, tell us about your journey. Sure. So, um, yeah, work, work stuff aside, I, I have been a very passionate member of Ultimate Frisbee, uh, both as a player and more recently as a coach. And um, and one specific challenge that, that I've encountered is just being non-binary in sports. It's often such a binary structure and, and trying to find ways to participate uh, equally just isn't always easy. In the in the recreation leagues that I've played in, I've brought forth some new proposals for for uh, altering that that mixed gender play, uh, and it's been it's been received pretty well. Um, for trans youth, I've been a mentor at some of the youth retreats offered by uh, the Salmon Devora Foundation. The they also offer mentoring programs for trans teens. Uh, for from trans adults. So that's also something. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Well, I'm excited that all three of you are here. And, you know, I am blessed to have such a uh, bright and loving uh, group of uh, young people that have taught me so much about terms and, and what's appropriate and my own personal microaggressions. And so we're going to definitely go through a list of uh, common microaggressions that uh, young people feel and old people, all people feel. And we want to make sure that we're a little bit more mindful. So before we go any further, uh, is it okay that we just talk, deal with some terminology Sage, you have, uh, you're good at this. And, you know, I have to tell, it was really amazing. You were in high school and you invited us. I knew you, you were president of the diversity club and you invited us, uh, me and your dad to a, um, like a faculty and parent conference, like a one day conference. And, uh, we were delighted and Sage said, Oh, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll, I'll, I'll open the program. And I thought, Oh, great. Sage is going to do the intro and Sage is going to do like the MC of the program. This is going to be so cool. And so I got there and we're sitting there proud, couldn't wait for Sage to come forward on stage. And, and then Sage never left the stage. In fact, Sage started pulling up PowerPoints. Sage was the facilitator of this LGBTQ um, conference. And it was, you know, about 100 parents and teachers. And at the end of the conference, <laughs> me and your dad, Sage, we were like, wait, how does Sage know all of this? What? Wait, what? Who taught Sage this? Where did this all come from? But this was your own desire to want to understand and to empower, to support others and to educate. And so if you would, we have um, a little bit of time right now that we are going to start with the terms and you're going to help us and then um, educate us along the way, if you would. Of course. Um, so just to start out, um, I think an important thing is to find a distinction between sex, uh, gender, and sexual orientation. Um, so um, a lot of this terminology refers to assigned sex at birth. At birth, uh, doctors often um, assign infants uh, sex based on visible sex organs, including genitalia or other physical characteristics. Um, but this doesn't mean that uh, assigned sex at birth will necessarily match someone's gender identity. 
Um, a lot of times it's also not even just male or female. There's also people that are intersex, which have, um, which is an umbrella term for people that um, are biologically um, between or not part of the binary. Um, and then gender is very complex, but uh, broadly, gender is a set of socially constructed roles, behaviors, activities, and attributes that society deems appropriate. And then sexual orientation has to do more with who you are uh, romantically, emotionally, sexually um, attracted to. Um, yeah, so then to start off, we'll talk about some social uh, sexual orientations. Um, so let me jump in for a second, Sage. So really what you just did was you made the distinction between gender and sexuality. And once again, gender is not sexuality. How someone sees themselves and who they're attracted to are two different things. And thank you for clearing that up. I think, I think that is the, especially for the over 40 crowd, that is the, the area that we are most confused by. So thanks for that distinction. Thank you for pointing it out because um, it really is at the core. Um, but talking about some sexual orientation um, orientations, uh, we can use LGBTQ plus as a guide. Um, so L uh, is for lesbian and G is for gay. Um, so lesbian um, and gay people are attracted to those of the same gender, um, also known as homosexuality. But um, especially if you're not in the community, we're trying to move away from that as that term is more medically focused and a checkered past. Um, the B stands for bisexuality. Um, so if you're bisexual, you're attracted to more than one gender. Um, then there is transgender, which we'll get to more later. Um, and the Q is queer, which is an umbrella term used by some LGBTQ plus people to describe themselves or their community. Uh, it's generally reclaimed by the community from its past negative and more pejorative use. Okay. But it still isn't used by all people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to jump in, Sage. So queer used to be an insult. Just, just so you know, when I was growing up, it was an insult. And if you call that, those were like fighting words, whether you were gay or not. It was just, it wasn't something that anyone uh, received. So today is a completely appropriate to refer to anyone in the LGBT. No, tell me. That's what I'm saying. Help me. With the kitchen table. Yeah. Make it plain. So what I was going to say is um, not everyone has reclaimed it. Um, and that's important to know, especially because of like, it's very damaging past. So uh, you shouldn't use it, especially if you're outside of the community, unless someone has already first self-identified. So I identify as gay, but also queer. So someone can refer to me as queer and I feel very comfortable with it. But generally you should just feel um, wary or rather um, be proactive with not calling everyone queer unless they actually say they're okay with it. Wow. So so part of this is also we have to be willing to be open and communicative, right? Both on both sides so that we understand yeah. the terms that you're comfortable with and the ones that you're not. And then both communities just need to be able to give each other grace so that we can get on the same page and really try to um, have a more equitable and understanding and empathetic um, camaraderie, really, on every level, right? Okay, so go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so two more that kind of exist in that plus um, are pansexual um, and pansexuals are attracted to people regardless of gender mm -hmm. um, while asexuality um, asexuals uh, usually experience little to no sexual attraction okay 
Now from here, um, like you said, sexuality and sexual orientation is distinct from gender. So we're going to now dive into um, some examples of gender that exist outside of just the binary of male and female. Okay. All right. So thank you. That's very clear. So let's, let's invite Jay into this conversation. Can you define transgender for us? Sure. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so the next part's about gender and gender identity with which can, can you actually say, can you say, say a word on the difference between gender and gender identity? Uh, yeah. So gender generally is like the social classification um, and like society's expectations and things like that. While gender identity is much more of a personal thing. Um, it's the internal perception of one's gender um, based on like it's how they label themselves and based on how they align or don't align with what um, gender is usually defined as um, uh, by society. Okay. And so Jay. great. Great. Yeah. Thank you. So Someone who's cisgender is a person whose gender identity matches their sex assigned at birth. So this is a lot of people, and this is kind of the counterpart to being transgender. Someone, an umbrella term for someone whose gender identity does not match their sex assigned at birth. And although the word transgender and its modern definition came into use fairly recently in the 20th century, uh, people who would fit under this definition have existed in any culture around the world throughout recorded history. Mm-hmm. It's just that a lot of people have been erased and, um, and well, I mean, primarily that erased and visibility has been hard to come by. Okay. There's also, oh yeah, go ahead. You know what? When we come forward, we're going to continue this de- defining of these terms that are critical and must need, must know critical terms so that you can be a proper um, advocate and ally and human. (laughs) So when we come forward in the sweet spot. If you're just joining us, uh, we are talking about the LGBTQ plus community, and I have some of my favorite family members. That's uh, my oldest child, Jay, my youngest, Sage, and my niece, Maya Alexandria, who's a poet. And we've been sharing terminology about um, how to address, how to support, how to become better allies, how to uh, love and really respect our family members and our community. So Jay was just uh, telling us some terminology. Where'd you leave off, Jay? So transgender is an umbrella term for people whose gender identity does not match their sex defined at birth. And beneath that umbrella, two other common terms are that are gender not conforming, a person whose behavior or appearance does not conform to the prevailing cultural or social expectations. And we have non-binary or sometimes genderqueer. It's a spectrum of gender identities that are not exclusively masculine and feminine, ones that exist outside of the gender binary of male and female. Hmm. And I have a couple, oh, go ahead. I was gonna ask you, so now I have the three of you here. Well, what do you each identify as? What do you, Jay, what do you identify as? I'm non-binary and I'm queer and I'm asexual. Okay, and Maya? I uh, use the pronouns she and her. I am a female. I am a bisexual female. And Sage? Um, I use he, him, and identify as a gay um, and or queer um, man. And I guess I'm binary, right? I would consider myself binary. And I am female, 
Cisgender. Cisgender. And I go by the pronouns she, her, and hers. Okay, so explain pronouns, all of you, whoever. Somebody jump in. Pronouns. Yeah, um, and that's the perfect time to talk about it. Uh, So we have uh, a array of pronoun uses here. Um, He, him, she, her, they, them. Um, Everyone uses pronouns in everyday speak. Um, You can say that Sage is interested in social justice. You could say he's uh, interested in social justice. Um, But basically, pronouns are the best way to like affirm people's identities. And it's very much so just a baseline um, thing to do. Um, So it's important to respect people's pronouns and to follow them. Well, I noticed um, even when I went to the doctor the other day um, for the first time, I saw in the forms pronouns you know, in the form, in the intake form, and also saw um, birth, uh, assigned at birth, sex assigned at birth. And so that's a lot of progress. um, And I appreciate that. Sure. So some of my own personal challenges, if you will, because this is not just about education. I mean, I'm going to be real about it. You know, when when, um, Sage came out in high school and then Jay um, sort of, you know, it started to explain their identity um, in college and post-college, I had to really I was really confused because I said, what do you mean them and they? There's only one of you. It's not even grammatically correct. And so it used to drive me crazy until I started to, you know, I had to really listen. I had to really spend time with Jay and we opted for family counseling so that we could have a, a place where we could each have a voice and a place where it was safe, a safe place to have these discussions. So Jay, can you just one more time, just explain your pronouns as them and they? Right. So. I think even years before I came out, I was pretty drawn towards like gender neutral language, uh, which, which at the time I didn't totally understand why it was so appealing to me. But later on, yes, having they them theirs as referring to a singular person in a gender neutral way makes a lot of sense for someone who's non-binary, doesn't use he, him or she, her, but instead uses than there's like you might talk about a customer that came into the store and you're talking to your manager in the back and you say something like this customer they need a blank right so it's just like an unspecific term that that a lot of non-binary people and other gen conform, gender non-conforming folks have adopted. Well, and I've said to you before in our kitchen table our real kitchen table <laughs> not just the KBLA uh table. But I've said, couldn't you come up with another, like another pronoun? Would it be more, like it may happen one day or it may not, I don't know. But is there a reason or is there a possibility to create a new pronoun that is more specific to that? Yes, Sage? Um, So there is another very popular pronoun or very popular, one of the more um, popular pronoun um, using Z, for example, which is more dedicated just to that. But also I do want to acknowledge that using they, them, theirs is proper English. Like it is grammatically correct. Um, it has been part of English for a very long time. Um, so I feel like it's just the emphasis and um, attributing it to like non-binary people um, that can make it like a hump to understand. Okay. And Maya, you're shaking your head. What are you thinking? Yeah, I knew that the other pronouns existed. The, they, they, Sage, I'm probably not saying them correctly because I'm, they're not used as often if I'm correct in saying that um, it usually is they and them, which as Sage said, is grammatically correct and has been for a very long time. I think it's just the inherent com- uncomfortability of having to learn something new 
that comes up. And that's why people are a little bit more resistant to it or not a little bit. They are resistant well, to it. Especially for over and, 40 because it's just harder to remember stuff. It just is. I'm sorry. It just is. Yeah. And, that, and that's valid. As long as the effort is there to try and learn and to try your best. Like we make mistakes all the time. If you make a mistake misgendering someone, as long as you say, I'm sorry and correct yourself and move on. That's all you need to do. You don't need to do a whole song and dance about it and to go into this whole monologue. Just move along. It's a very normal thing. We just want to be treated like normal people. Let's turn the page. (laughs) Well, that's helpful because I think that was where my downfall was oftentimes was just trying to explain, oh, I meant to do it or I just is or I'm tired or I'm trying or, you know. (laughs) And then Jay and Sage would listen to me and say, just say I'm sorry and move on. So I learned a lot there. So I, there's something I asked each of you guys to do to work together and to come up with top 10 microaggressions. So let's start doing that. Okay, here we go. At the very, so we're gonna, we're gonna do the, the worst is gonna come at the end, right? So starting with number 10, top aggression. Um, okay, well, we're gonna start with a classic. Um, oh, it's just a phase, um, which isn't true, obviously, but also it doesn't really make sense um, considering it's like, um, a lifelong process, like there is some fluidity, but it's very much not a phase um, I've been gay my own life, okay. my whole life. Number so. nine. Who's got number nine? I'm not homophobic, but Ooh. there's there's no re- reason to preface with I'm not homophobic if there's the, you know, but afterwards you're just, you know, trying to soften the blow of I am homophobic and you're going <laughs> to listen to me about it. <laughs> okay. Number eight. Um, you don't sound or look gay. Um, there is no way to sound or look gay. And it's not a compliment to say that you do, um, sound a certain way or look gay and that that makes you gay. Um, gay people sound different and they look different and that's beautiful. Yep. And they are different and we are different. Each, everybody's different. Okay. Number, that was number, now number seven. Yes. So you're into threesomes, right? And as a bisexual woman, I get this all the time where people say, oh, you're doing it to attract more men or, oh, they automatically assume that I want to just sleep with everyone. Um, No, sorry, that's not the case. And honestly, how dare you ask me that? Do I go around asking, you know, what position do you like? No. Exactly. Inappropriate. Inappropriate. Okay, number six. Um, (laughs) How do you turn gay or how did you turn gay? Um, pretty interesting considering, um, they need like an origin story, um, while actually it's just from birth. So, um, but yeah, next one. So how, how did you turn gay or what made you gay? So in other words, is, was there some tragedy or tragic or molestation that made you gay? Is that your Yeah, that yeah. seems to be the idea, but, um, all wrong, I guess. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to, when we come forward, we're going to uh, step in and we're going to hear the next five microaggressions that uh, people have heard, received, experienced. And this is, uh, we're talking about Pride Month and everything that goes with it. This is Angelique in the Sweet Spot. All right. Welcome back to Living in the Sweet Spot. I have Sage, Jay, and Maya Alexandria talking to us about terminology and just sensitivities and just giving us some microaggressions that so many of us sort of participate in. And so, kind of, you know, pulling our coattail a little bit, putting it out there. Sage, we're on number five, number five of the top 10 microaggressions that 
the LGBTQ community experiences? Number five. Yeah. So, so the next one, um, this one always makes me laugh because it's very counterintuitive. Um, but who is the man or the woman in a relationship specifically targeted at a relationship with two men in it or like two women in it? Um, so I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, but yeah. Okay. That's a lot. Because you don't do that when you have a, a cisgender uh, couple. You don't walk around uh, asking them what positions they prefer and all that, right? Who's their aggressor? Mm-hmm. Who's their aggressor on a Friday night? No one asks that. Okay, what's next? Then we have, uh, have you prayed or gone to therapy about it? To which my response is, have you prayed for a brain? Oh, <laughs> well, oh, prayer is good. <laughs> but this whole idea, this whole idea that um, that you need, um, you know, there were camps back in the day, and probably still going on now, where Christians were sending people to turn them around, and other other religions have done the same thing. And so, you know, I maintain that my Lord and Savior, that's Jesus, gave us two commandments: to love God with your whole heart and to love one another. So when we're doing that, that kind of covers a multitude of sins, don't it? <laughs> so, okay, what's next? Who's got the next one? Um, yeah, so this one's pretty bad. Um, but asking um, often like bisexual people um, who's better in bed, men or women. Um, and once again, just prying into like sex life of a stranger. Um, but yeah. Okay, what's next? And then the next one is um, you can be gay, but not under my roof, which is roof, which is more of an example of uh, conditional acceptance, which, you know, I accept some of this, but not all of this. I just don't want to see it kind of thing, which is also very harmful, especially when you're LGBTQ plus youth and you're growing up and you're trying to figure out what's going on, who you are and put language to your identity. And, you know, I think that we have, I mean, I kind of raised you guys very traditionally in the traditional church. And and so I know that it, that really didn't seem to matter. What matters is who you are and who you've become and that you feel loved unconditionally. Okay, we got one more minute. Let's try to get these last couple in. This I think this is yeah, number so, two. Number two, we're going down, right? No, number one, actually. Yeah. Um, the is, worst one for sure okay. is... Um, and I've been asked this several times, um, asking how does gay sex even work? Um, and I don't know if y'all are familiar with the terms, but uh, asking like who's the top or who's the bottom, uh, which is just outrageous. Um, and just once again, it's like you wouldn't ask um, a heterosexual couple or like a cisgender couple um, specifically about that because it's just a very base level of respect. Microaggression. Can you define what a microaggression is quickly? Um, microaggression is often something said without malintent, um, sometimes malintent, um, that might not seem overtly like homophobic, transphobic, queerphobic, um, but it is, and it's implying something rather than saying it outright. Okay. When we come forward, <laughs> more in the sweet spot. This is Living in the Sweet Spot, and we're uh, talking about Pride Month, and we're talking about LBGQT+. And um, what were you saying, Jay, right before we took a break? So I have a a few quick facts for you here about trans people. Uh, A sad one here, nearly one in 10 were physically assaulted in 2014 alone. Another one, over one third of 
trans people of color live in poverty. And these are just a few of the factors that add a lot of difficulty in the lives of trans people that really makes it important for organizations such as the Trevor Project, uh, which addresses suicide prevention for LGBTQ plus uh, youth, where 45% of youth consider suicide and more than half of those are trans. Wow, those are- So they, they have a, t- yep. So they have a 24-7 hotline. That number is 1-866-488-7386. That's 1-866-488-7386. All right. And Maya, you had an organization that you like to refer people to. Yeah, we hear a lot about organizations that focus on youth, but I wanted to bring to the table a LGBTQ plus organization that focuses on some older folks, which was founded in 1978. It's called SAGE, and you can find more information about them on their website, www.sageusa.org. That's www.sageusa.org. Great. And SAGE, you got one? Yeah, um, for support of both families and LGBTQ plus people um, and education, you can look at PFLAG, P-F-L-A-G dot org um, to find um, the first and largest organization dedicated to supporting, educating and advocating for queer people and their families. Wow. This has been a great conversation with each of you, Maya and Alexandria. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Your poem was wonderful. Keep writing, keep performing. When you're coming here to Los Angeles to perform, let me know. I'll be there. Uh, Jay, thank you from Philly for coming and spending and hanging out with us. Continue to do all that you do to make uh, youth and everything they're doing in athletics, especially um, a safe place. And Sage, as you continue gender studies at Vanderbilt, thank you. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So... KBLA family, let's commit as a community of humans to step into our best self, look at our own biases and our own discriminatory practices, whether they are implicit or explicit against all types of people. Sadly, uh, these victims, they are often victims of the hate. They're our loving partners. They are parents. They are family members, teachers, friends, community members. They work with us. They go to school. They attend houses of worship. They're real people, people whose lives deserve to be respected and empowered. We talk about Kairos moments here at The Sweet Spot, divine timing, power and purpose. What divine and loving God, compassionate God, would condone this level of hate? The greatest of these two commandments is to love one another. We got to do better, read, research, have loving and open conversations so that we can be in a better place to be an advocate for one another. Not just in Pride Month, y'all, every month and every day. Again, thank you to my guest. I love you from the east to the west. This is Living in the Sweet Spot.